0: Ian McLaughlin, welcome, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Thank you, mate. Pull that mic up close to you, just so we can get a really clear sound. How's that? Yeah, awesome. So, uh, just FYI, the uh, the sparkling water and the coffee I've um, sterilized out there with the alcohol, so Thank I haven't you, actually touched it. And um, <laughs> I really appreciate what these guys here at Elevate do. They're, um, they've 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 got a coronavirus policy, so everything's nice and clean here, um, which is important because you know um, I can tell you as early as today, uh, like my staff were concerned about mm. me being out and yep. bringing it back in because I've still got some staff that are working and, yep. um, you know, and I get that, I get that everyone's, everyone's in a real big panic. Um, Actually, you mind if I get some more volume in the in the in the in, the, in the, awesome. Yeah, that's perfect. Is your is your sound 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 quality okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, awesome, mate. Yep. No, so um Ian uh is is uh, an accountant, um a very good one, I might say. Uh personal experience. Um and you had a, a rabbit funeral this this morning? Can we did, mate.
1: Uh, <laughs> I've been nonstop on the phone uh, to clients since about eight AM Monday morning. Uh, I think I've spoken to about 64 people at last count, um, and uh, I got rushed out today at about 11.30 because we had to go put a rabbit down at the vet. Um, so look Coronavirus? Uh, uh, I think he had coronavirus, <laughs> mate, yeah. I think he's been the, f- the, the first animal to succumb to the virus, unfortunately. But um, look, um, he was a good rabbit. He, w- he was alive for 18 years, so I think it's probably close to the Guinness Book years? of World Records, yeah. I didn't
0: know you had a rabbit.
1: Yeah, we had a ra- we had a rabbit. Name? Uh, he had about five names. Okay. Today he was Gerald. Um, mm-hmm. He's been Reggie, Casper, and Ghost. So Man. yeah, he's uh he's, <laughs> he's had quite the life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry to hear that, mate. Was um oh, was uh, you, the wife okay?
1: With... No, she was quite upset. She was quite upset. Oh, so it was a long story, but it was my parents in law, and then when they moved to Queensland, it's illegal to have rabbits as pets in Queensland, so we had to take the rabbit. So that's why we've got the rabbit. We've had it for about three years on our balcony. When they moved to Queensland, so
0: sorry, it's illegal to have pets oh, in an, an in, apartment
1: in Queensland. It's illegal to have pet rabbits. Get out of here! Yep. Come on, man. Yeah, I know. Are I they? Know.
0: Are they? Um, are rabbits like disease? Um, like, like, are they? Do they carry a lot of disease?
1: Who knows? Yeah, myxomatosis. I know don't they that carry means. that? Um, but look, who knows? After what's going on in the world at the moment, what these animals—what these animals have—yeah. Um, but I think as long as you don't eat them, we seem to yeah. be safe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: That—that wasn't advice, by the way. So, uh, <laughs> um, look, Ian, I, I really appreciate you coming on online. Um, this is a really interesting time in the world. Um, being at the forefront of risk, I'm—I'm I'm seeing a lot, man. And, and i got to be honest with you, like I've always been really sensitive to risks that you can't insure because, you know, we also, also tuned into things that you can insure. But let me tell you, people are really quick to talk about risks that you can't insure. And it's a lot of the time where, where insurance, I think gets a bad name. It's, um, people speak so much more loudly about, you know, things that don't, that go uninsured. But obviously the truth is, is that if insurers ever covered a pandemic, people wouldn't be able to pay the premium, right? That's right. Because they'd all go under. Um, so this is, you know, like a what we call a force majeure. Um, it's a, a issue completely outside of our control. Um, and I've been loving... The stuff you've been putting out—I mean, it's—it's interesting how the government's responded. You've been kind of dissecting it and making it make sense. Um, I've been—I hope you don't mind—I've been using that with a lot of clients, just trying to help them um, digest what's going on. Because when there's panic, people don't digest information really well. Um, You know, some of the things I'm talking to um, people about at the moment are obviously don't don't panic, plan because planning. Gets, allows you to sleep at night and at least gives you something to focus on. Um, I'm talking to people about, really talking to their staff about hygiene and the importance of safety in the workplace. Um, and obviously through safety in the workplace, it emphasizes that you care about them, you care about their families, but also you care about the financial viability of their job because if they bring in, you know, an infection and they affect other people, well, that affects everybody's job. So, um, and then obviously I think the, the the best connection from that point is, is given that things are changing very rapidly, it's to maintain being fluid and to let staff know that it's important to be fluid through this time and to understand that the business may change and to be open to change. Um, some of that means like for some of our businesses who don't have the right amount of uh, workspace for staff, that there's some, some of my clients are going to start running split shifts, staff in the morning, someone comes in, sanitizes the place and someone, and then staff come in in the evening. Um, for some of my staff, i oh, sorry, for some of my clients, I've really got them to turbocharge their online ordering system, things that things were that were on the burner to really ramp up because at some point it's going to hit the bottom line and you really need to understand your supply chain and understand who's going to be impacted. Um, and it's interesting because, when I look at business interruption and, and, um, and I look at like business interruption is an insurance term, which normally is as a result of damage. Uh, so you need to sustain damage and then you have cover for business interruption, which is a coverage for loss of gross profit or loss of turnover, but this is not considered damage, but you still need to look at business interruption or uh, as, as, as business being interrupted. And then the sec- second thing is, is how do I get my business to continue through that interruption? And so, um, having a look at your supply chain, having a look at how you can reinvent yourself, having a look at what else people can do. Um, and obviously by emphasizing flexibility in the workplace and safety for staff and, and, and then you bring that flexibility through your working arrangements into being able to reallocate your resources, um, so that staff can be open to change. And then you allocate that change to where the business needs help. What I want to ask you today, and I don't—I'm not normally this leading in a podcast. It's literally a little bit more relaxed, but I'm really dying to get into this because it's an important topic. What, how? Let me let me let me just put this correctly. What is available to business to survive through this
1: time? So so far, the government has announced two rounds of stimulus packages. Um, the second one that they announced on Sunday. Some of the measures in that are a bit of an extension on the first one. So what I'll do is I'll talk through some of those measures, okay? Now, we are at a point in this crisis where we don't know when it's going to end. We don't know the economic and financial crisis that it's going to have. So the fact that the government has so far released two rounds of stimulus packages, I would say that there's more on the way okay, because there is a lot of hurt out there in businesses. Businesses such as gyms, pubs, they have been told that they cannot trade. They cannot earn any income. And look, I'm seeing some, some of these businesses are innovating in a way. So they're adapting to the change. Gyms are going online, They're doing live streaming. Yoga studios, they're going online. They're doing live streaming. You see Archie Rose, they're now producing hand sanitizer. Sold out, by the way. Sold out. Zara, the Spanish giant, they're producing the face masks now. So I always say, before I get into the measures, I think that every crisis produces great opportunity. And this is a really good opportunity for businesses that can get through this hard time, and let's be honest, this is the hardest time that the country in the world has probably seen since the Second World War. Mm. If we can bound together as businesses and get through this and innovate, then I think we can all come out of it at the end bigger and better. So when I talk about the measures, and it was a tricky one because before – Treasury releases their papers as to what these measures actually entail. You know, The Sydney Morning Herald, the Daily Telegraph, they will put up a flash article saying, oh, every business to get $100,000. So my phone's going off the hook from clients texting me, mate, how do we get a hand on the 100 grand? What do we need to do? So Sunday was a busy day, but I needed to wait until Treasury released their papers until I could go back to uh, my clients with exactly how this was going to work. So- The way this measure is going to work is it's for credit for the taxes paid on staff wages on the BASAs and installment activity statements up to $100,000, okay? So I'll give you an example of how this works. Let's say for the sake of the argument that in the March quarter business activity statement, a business is going to report pay-as-you-go withholding to the ATO, of $20,000, okay? They lodge that bass, they pay the money, and then the ATO is going to give them a $20,000 credit on their ATO account, okay? So it's not money injected back into the business. Let's wait and see if that measure is in the next round of business, uh, sorry, uh, stimulus packages, which what everyone seems to be waiting for. So in that example, on the March bass, they lodge a pay-as-you-go withholding, $20,000, They pay it. Then the ATO says, thanks very much. Because your withholding amount was $20,000, we're going to credit your account with us for $20,000. And once again, not an injection into the business bank account. Then let's say for the sake of the argument that in the June quarter, those same figures are $20,000. Okay. So in the June quarter, they lodge pay-as-you-go withholding. They are then going to get another $20,000 credit on their ATO account. Okay, so let's say for the sake of the argument at the moment, they've got $40,000 credit. Okay, that's where their stimulus package up until the June quarter will tap out. But then what the government says is, okay, in the March and the June quarter, you received a total from us of $40,000 in worth, worth of credits. When you do your next activity statement in September, they're going to say, we're going to give you that amount again. Okay, so we're going to give you another $40,000, okay, over that next three months. Once again, credits on the business's account with the ATO. So a total of $80,000 there. Now, where they get to the $100,000 is it's capped at $50,000. So if a business in the March quarter is to lodge their activity statement with the ATO and their withholding is $50,000, they're going to get a credit for $50,000 on that Then in the June quarter, they will receive nothing because they've already hit their cap of $50,000. Then in the next uh, months from July, August, and September, and October, the ATO each month will credit their account for $12,500, which is basically $50,000 into four, Mm -hmm. okay? So 12.5 times four, uh, you get to $50,000 plus the original $50,000 received, That's how you get to your $100,000.
0: And so when you say it's credited to the ATO accountant, does that mean that when I come to uh, pay my tax bill at the end of the year, I am relieved from having to pay, in that example, $50,000 worth of tax? Yes. So,
1: I mean, look, and like anything that the the government releases, the ATO always takes a little bit of time, and there is so many what-if scenarios around this. But let me just explain. So – any business with the ATO generally has two accounts. There's what we call the integrated client account, which is what the BASs are lodged on, okay, the P R Y G and the G-S-T. And then the other account is the income tax account, which is when a company lodges a tax return at the end of the year and they have profit, the income tax payable will be recorded on the income tax account. Mm -hmm. Now, let's say for the sake of the argument that In that example, the business, they get credits of $50,000, okay? Now, let's say they then go to lodge their tax return at the end of the year, and their tax payable is $100,000. So, company tax rate is currently 27.5 cents in the dollar. In this this example, company tax payable of $100,000. So, normally, the ATO would say, thanks very much, pay us $100,000, What I am thinking, the way it's going to work is, is that we will apply for the credit which is sitting on the integrated client account to be transferred Mm -hmm. to the income tax account. And in the past, they've had no problem with this. And sometimes they even do it themselves. Mm. So let's wait and see whether they do it themselves, whether we need to apply for it. But I don't see any reason why they are not going to let that happen.
0: Okay. And so, so that's really where, um, businesses are going to receive the, these, these benefits. So they'll still continue to withhold PAYG. Um, they'll lodge, uh, for the withholding. Um, there'll be an adjustment on the appropriate tax owed and then, um, whatever that tax is owed at that time, they will be able to receive credits against their tax bill when it comes to pay.
1: That's correct. So the best way to think about it is, let's say for the sake of the argument in your March Bass, you are withholding $10,000. And if you're out there trying to work out what maximum amount you're going to get from the government, if it's going to be consistent in the June quarter as well, then times that $10,000 by four, and you get to your $40,000 Okay, so that's a good way to think about if you are, because at the moment every business really needs to be redoing their cash flow. Okay, so they can factor that in that they will have to pay the ATO forty thousand dollars less. So the other one that they've introduced, and you know, they call it a stimulus package. I mean, in my eyes, this one really isn't, but it's it's more of a tax break. So previously the the rules were prior to the twelfth of March. Um, that any small business turning under, turning over less than fifty million dollars, uh, could write off one hundred percent any asset bought for less than thirty thousand dollars. Okay, that's excluding GST. So thirty three thousand dollars, including GST. As part of the stimulus package, the first round, they have increased that instant asset write off to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars.
0: What is that? Give me an example of what that might be. So okay. how does that
1: work? So let's say that a uh, A company buys a forklift. Let's say that forklift was eighty thousand dollars. Prior to the twelfth of March, the business would have had to have depreciated that forklift over its useful life. Now, let's say that was four years. Okay, they would have had to have claimed depreciation over four years on the cost of that asset, being the eighty thousand dollars. So, basically, spread the deduction over four years instead of one. Now with the introduction of increasing the instant asset write off from $300,000 to 150,000 the business will be able to write that asset off 100% okay so it basically comes into the profit and loss it will still go on the balance sheet but it will be depreciated 100% and the depreciation expense will go in the profit and loss so that's essentially an $80,000 deduction that the business will be able to get
0: how does that how does that help businesses
1: so it's a good question and it would only help businesses that are very cash flow positive and they are certain that they're going to be able to get through these times right. okay and going to so in an asset that's right. right it's right a, it, it is it is a tricky one however there is a good opportunity here for businesses that are investing in research and development so when we talk about the research and development grant um, it's about 43 and a half cents in the dollar that a business will get back on a dollar spent for research and development. Now, the process of applying for the R&D grant is um, quite laborious and generally uh, R&D specialists do this and they need to lodge the application with AusIndustry uh, prior to 31 uh, or 30th of April, I should say, um, 10 months following year end, okay? So businesses for the 30 June 2020 year have until 30th of March – Sorry, 30th of April 2021 to get their uh, application in with Oz Industry. However, yesterday uh, they've increased that now to the end of September. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot more time to get your application in with Oz Industry. But how this is going to help those businesses is let's say that a business partaking in research and development buys an asset prior to the 12th of March for $40,000. Under the old rules, they would have had to have depreciated that item, okay, Mm -hmm. because, yes, it was more than Mm $30,000. And the R&D claim would have been claimed over the useful life of that asset. Right. Now, with the instant asset write-off increasing to $150,000, the business will be able to claim the depreciation in full, and that is going to increase their research and development refund. Right. Okay, so that's a big win, really. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, I was talking with a client this morning um, and we uh, I explained that one to them and they were, you know, quite uh, – they've had a lot of investments. They do have money and there is there are assets that they do need to buy. So this one's going to work really well for, for their point of view because they're going to be in a loss position. So basically with the R&D grant, if you're in a loss position, the best way to think about it is that you will get back uh, 43.5 cents in the dollar for every – Dollars spent on research and development. Um,
0: Can I just ask, so sure. on, on a loss position, yep. if somebody gets to the end of their period and they're and they're making a loss, I assume that that would minimise their chances of having to pay tax based on being profitable.
1: That's right. It would. It acts as an offset to that to that tax payable.
0: And then, so if there is uh, if there are these credits from uh, the PAYG withholding, yeah, and then you've got. Um, other uh, instant uh, asset write-offs and things, but let's just take, for example, the PAYG withholding which is being credited against the ATO account and you d- and you don't have tax to pay for that period. Um, does that mean that at that point cash is injected back into the business?
1: Yes. So if the business is in a refund position, yep. the ATO will refund the money, absolutely.
0: And so that's really where um, – the only really—that's the only way that businesses will actually receive a direct cash injection to help them get. That's through this
1: right. Time. That's right.
0: And um, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I think it's good. Um, you know, as I said before, this is only round two of the stimulus packages, and we've got no idea where this um, crisis is going to head. Um, at the moment, businesses are crying out for a cash injection. Yeah. And who's been left high and dry here is the sole traders. So the only measures. So far, that have been introduced for sole traders is that they can withdraw money out of their super account for 2020, an amount of $10,000, and then for 2021, another amount of $10,000 if they can prove that their income has dropped by more than 20%. So, if your taxable income for 2019 was $100,000, then in 2020 it's $79,000, then you would qualify. But it's madness because Why would you want to take your money out of super at the bottom of the market? Mm. Because as we all know, the markets have completely taken. I mean, I know I was speaking to someone uh, yesterday. They've lost 75% in the value of their super fund. Jeez, man. So I still think that the government needs to do something for those sole traders because they really have been left in the lurch. And a lot of businesses, when they start, they don't want to go into the company or the trust structure straight away because they're not sure how much they're going to earn. So a little bit of a safer option for them is to go down the sole trader route. It's obviously not my preferred option, but some people want to do that. Um, and they're, they're hurting here. You know, there was a guy that was interviewed on the, on the TV, sole trader, Pilates studio. What hope does he have? He's been told he can't trade. And you can take $10,000 out of your super. And if all these people go around taking money out of their super, then what effects is that going to have on the economy in 20 years' time when these people want to retire because their super fund balances is going to be less and they're going to have to go on the government pension?
0: But, I mean, Ian, I mean, these, these, these things happen in life. Obviously, we can't – I mean, this is a uh, – I mean, unless you're anti-taking um, the risk of getting into business and making money, uh, then, um, you know, let's just say you could be in a far worse position. Um, what, what can businesses do? Like what, number one, like, I mean, planning for events like this. I mean, if, if a business was to continue going, well, moving forward, how do I plan for an event like this? I mean, um, how would you guide a business at the outset so that they could better manage crisis events like this occurring?
1: It's got to come down to the cash flow, and it's got to come down to every business needs to look at its monthly fixed costs. And you should plan to have three to six months. I say six, I three to six because ideally six, but it is hard sometimes. So I get that to at least three months worth of fixed costs to continue with the business operations. If we are to face another crisis like this and mm-hmm. operations get completely shut down, like really every business should have three to six months worth of fixed costs in the bank ready to go at any point in time. Mm-hmm. Because who knows what's going to happen. I mean, this is only the, um, you know, when this goes away and, you know what, there's going to be some uh, pretty big parties out there I can imagine once this does go away, but who knows what's around the corner. Yeah. You know, they're talking about different strains. Yeah. So one of the other things, um, Rami, that the business, sorry, that the government has introduced that businesses can do is, it's a really good one, they have said that they will guarantee to – 50%, uh, any loan taken out by the business with their bank, up to $250,000. Wow. With no repayments or interest for six months. So, And it's a line of credit as well. So you're only then going to pay interest and pay back what you take out. So let's say that you you get the whole $250,000 drawdown and you only use $10,000 of it then you're only going to pay interest after six months and pay back $10,000. So this is a really good one for businesses to have a a look at. It is a great opportunity, and I've got a number of clients that currently have overdrafts, and they're obviously paying interest on those. So they're going to go and get these uh, lines of credit and basically cancel out their overdrafts, Mm. pay them down, Mm -hmm. take a six-month repayment and interest holiday, Mm -hmm. and then they're going to have that two hundred fifty thousand. dollars Line of credit there and draw down on on it as as they need. Uh, people have got to be wary, obviously, with that because it can be dangers.
0: Of course, um, and and so I suppose the other thing there is so if you're a business and you had, uh, for example, online ordering on the cards as a project to to carry out over the next six months, you could effectively turbocharge these projects, mitigate any loss, um, be able to do that on an interest free line of credit. Um, Quickly restore income through other areas of your business where you've lost turnover and and regain it in these other areas. Obviously, if you had a positive outlook, um, that's number one. Number two, uh, if you were doing something innovative, you then double dip on the R and D grant as well. It adds benefit, it has benefits there as well. So you get some tax offsets. Uh, is that how you see it?
1: That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. So. With a lot of these measures, there is strategy that can be employed here to get the best out of them, which is what I've been doing with a lot of my clients. So on Sunday night, I sent out an email to all clients and it's my job to make them aware of of the measures. And I know it's bedtime reading um, that will probably put people to sleep, but it is my job to make people aware. But what I said at the beginning of that email was below are the measures. If you want to book in a 10-minute phone call, to understand these measures, I'll explain to you in plain English what these mean for you and how you can best utilize them in your business because that's what people want to hear. They go, okay, cool, so I get these credits, but how exactly does that work? That's mm. what people want to know. Yeah. They want to know the bottom line. What is this going to mean to my bottom line cash flow, mm. which is so important at the moment. So it is so important that every business out there is giving their, their cash flow forecast a bit of a health check. hmm and just seeing what it needs to get through this time, and obviously factoring in uh, these incentives that the that the government ha- has introduced.
0: So, um, so taking immediately taking a look at your 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 cash flow, your sorry, your budgets and your and your work and your your cash flows and your expenses, and working out what like what else can a business do when they're looking at their, their cash flows, um, as an immediate, like what would, what would be a couple of things that they could do to safeguard? Like if you're a business and you were directly impacted, what could you do immediately?
1: So go down your expenses and I've done this with a, with a number of clients quite successfully where we look at all the expenses that gone out of the business for the past 12 months. And, you know, we sort that by alphabetical order. And we go down that line by line and we'd be like, is this necessary? Do you guys really need this Spotify expense? I don't want to – I mean, look, I'm keeping my Spotify account. I love Spotify. <laughs> I don't want to say anything bad about Spotify there. <laughs> but just as an example, yeah. a non-essential expense. Mm. What expenses can businesses cut? This is, this is These are trying times and people need to really run their businesses as lean as possible. So I've had a number of clients um, – in the, the cafe and the, the pub space, and their obviously their main fixed cost is the rent. The rent and the wages, but obviously the wages are going to go. So what we're doing with some of those guys is going to the landlord and just saying, hey, what can you do for us in this time? Mm-hmm. You're not going to get that rent reduction from the landlord unless you ask. Mm-hmm. But if you ask, you never know what they're going to say. In regards to personal mortgage repayments that people might have out there, each bank has its a different policy. Each of the four major banks has got a different policy on what you can do in regards to freezing those payments. But a number of people have had success in freezing their home loan repayments for three to six months. Wow. And the same goes for asset finance as well. So um, people are going down that path. You know, they might be financing cars for the business. You have to go and ask to get the reduction. It's not going to happen if you don't ask. So that's what businesses need to do. They need to go down their expenses, their their, their previous expenses, and they need to have a look at their cash flow forecast and really see what can we cut here? Like what for the next six months is – a non-essential expense. Mm,
0: what can we cut? What can we manage? What can we delay? What can we offset? That's right. Talk to me about staff, uh, staff costs, wages, things like that, um, casuals, temps. Like how do you what, – what are your yeah. thoughts on that I department? mean it's
1: it's it, it's a tricky one um, and we've obviously seen the last couple of days in news with the Centrelink lines and, you know, I mean it, it, it breaks my heart. I mean part of the reason that I'm an accountant is why I love tax but – I've also got a very soft spot for small business. Um, so whenever I see a felice sign up on a shop that only opened six to eight months ago, I, I feel for the owner because you know that they probably put their life savings into it and that's their, mm. that's their dream gone. Mm. In terms of the casuals, um, it is a tough one. Um, I did see that a, a very big reputable company – that is big in the hospitality space uh, in Sydney has given each of their employees a $550 bonus, but they're going to be stood down. Mm -hmm. Because with the casuals, they can. I mean, they come and they go. Mm -hmm. So there is no no obligation to, to keep them on. But as you alluded to before, Rami, with the innovation, is there another way that these staff members, be it casual, permanent, part-time, can help you out in other projects, Mm -hmm. okay? So you may not be doing X for a while, but as you mentioned, businesses can now take this opportunity to invest in other or invest time in other projects. So how can those staff members help out on that? So I'll give you an example. Um, A gym – Their head sales manager, obviously, he's not going to be doing any sales. So they put him in charge of getting all their programming online
0: Mm.
1: and rolling that out to clients. Yeah. So And that
0: has long-term positive impacts.
1: That's right. That's right. Well
0: beyond the short term. That's
1: right. So people really need to look at um, we've got this person here. How – and this is completely, every business is different and every business needs to completely re-engineer themselves. Yeah. So I've got a, a client, um, a large catering company, and obviously they've been hit really hard because there's no events mm-hmm. and the offices aren't mm-hmm. really open. Yeah. You know, a lot of a lot of people are working from home. Mm-hmm. So they have, and I was having this chat with them last week, they've redone their website and they are now basically doing a Meals on Wheels service, not to the elderly, well, obviously to yeah. the elderly if they want it, but mm. to individuals as well.
0: Yeah, who are working from home.
1: That's right. So they're sitting in there as per normal, preparing the food and then delivering these nicely cooked home meals to families, which is great because not a lot of people want to go to the supermarket these days yeah. because there's scare the scare factor out there that if they go to the supermarket and they put their hands on the trolleys, they're going to get this virus. Mm. So this offers a really good um, alternative, alternative to that. So businesses really need to try and reinvent themselves. And as I said at the beginning, in every crisis, it presents great opportunity. Absolutely. And we are going to see some businesses come out of this that have completely re-engineered themselves yeah. and they're going to be ahead of the game. Yeah. So it's a great opportunity.
0: And, you know, like um, when I when I um, think about business interruption loss, you know, typically the way, the way a business interruption claim is, is you suffer damage, the shortfall in your turnover, um, is calculated and the loss of gross profit is calculated up until the point you, you achieve your turnover. The interesting thing is, is basically people, turnovers have fallen off a ledge. Um, and let's just say, you know, some restaurants will close for a month or two. They will, you know, send off their staff and say, sorry, we can't, you know, we don't have enough work for you, uh, whether they stand them down or whether they just terminate them, hopefully they just stand them down at, at minimum. Um, but when businesses bounce back, you're going to need those people that you've invested in and, and when, and when you bounce back, you're going to want people who know how to run the show. And I actually think that for some businesses they'll bounce they'll bounce back the other way. So if you were looking at a trend analysis over twelve months following the the incidence of the crisis of coronavirus, and then you've got the turnover falling off a ledge, let's say you've got two or three months of 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 non-income, and then let's say people are let out again, and let's say it's 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 all within control. Turnovers will come back, but over a twelve month period, your turnover might actually exceed that of what was lost. And that over a 12 month period, you actually might average out and make it. So it's really about trying to make it and manage it and not don't panic and get rid of all that intellectual property that you invested in all these great people, right?
1: That's a really good point because uh, as I alluded to at the beginning of the, the show, imagine the parties are going to happen mm. once this is over. You no know, the pubs are going to go crazy, hopefully if they're still open.
0: it's like mate, I haven't seen you. we're got to get together. there's gonna to be all that stuff i mean hopefully I it doesn't it doesn't bring the the virus back obviously
1: <laughs> that's right uh
0: so that's that's the thing you know yeah. it's a it's a really unknown um You know, the social distancing thing, I just want to add to that, like, um, the government put out a a notice about social distancing, like how important it is to have this 1.5 meter two Mm. meter rule. Um, I think it indicated that over a period of, if you don't follow the rule and you just conducted your normal interactions, it's got like an image of a person and then it's got how many people you infect. And if you meet, if you do the 1.5 meter rule, it's got over a course of a month, I think you only infect about 2.48 people if you've got it versus something like one to like thousands. Um, so it's really, um, you know, fundamental changes to how you interact. And and the other thing I'll say is, you know, the quarantine laws have not been tested. Like we haven't, as you said, we haven't seen what it's like for um, the law, the legal system to enforce these quarantine laws. But the quarantine laws are pretty tough. If you read the quarantine laws, like they can, if you are in breach, mate, they can walk in there, rip you out, and you went a quarantine station, just like the olden days. Um, up on North Head, there's the old Novotel. That's that used to be the old quarantine station. But that's what they used to do. Yeah. Um, and 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 legally, they can do that um, because they've got to affect. They've got to protect society. A lot of people don't realise that because we've been so, um, you know, we've been wrapped in cotton wool for a long time. That's right. But I always used to say to people, like I never remember what it was like to have seventeen percent interest rates or twenty. I don't know. I don't know how how high they got. But I never lived through that time. But and it's interesting because you know I always talk about that, and, and you know through interviewing people that uh, are of a slightly younger generation, you realise how how seeing difficult times changes people, and it makes them really hyper aware of of what to prepare for and how to really kind of brace yourself. Um, a lot of the generation hasn't seen that, but you know here it is.
1: That's right, and you know you talk about those uh, those interest rates, and you know what's what's the first thought that goes through your mind? I mean, my mum and dad talked me about those, and I can't imagine living exactly. in a world like that. Yeah, and now all of a sudden we're living in a world where two weeks ago it was completely different. Um, so I mean, who had heard of the term social distancing two weeks ago? Uh, so yeah, look, it is it's it's uh, it w- it will change the world forever. I think like like nine eleven did but let's hope that, you know, out of the bad comes some really good positives.
0: And you said that you love tax. I I mean, I'm trying to work out what that means. (laughs) What does that mean to
1: you? Well, for me, I like tax because tax to me is facts and figures. Um, So when I was younger, I was never one to, to read the the books, I didn't really want to get too involved in. My dad was a lawyer um, and obviously at, uh, at uni I had to study a couple of law units and I used to dread those because uh, tax law aside, of course, um, because of all the reading that you had to do. I was never a big fan of reading uh, long books, so tax for me just always works. So. No fiction. No fiction. That's, that's exactly <laughs> right. It's black and white. It is or it isn't. Um, you know, is it subjective or objective? For mm-hmm. me um, so obviously I like the objective side rather than the subjective side, um, which is why you know I'm, I'm not an auditor. <laughs> so yeah no and look there's the exciting thing about taxes is it's ever changing and it's all about looking at a, a business and, and working out what you can can and can't do. So one thing that I didn't touch on before that I will because mm, you, you, you bring it up with with tax, so with that government incentive where they talk about the um, the hundred thousand dollars, so the minimum amount that an employee, oh sorry, that a business can get is twenty thousand dollars. So I've got a number of clients that uh, don't withhold anything hmm. because they might pay employees; it might be under hmm. the tax free threshold. Hmm. So the natural response is, oh, we don't get anything because we don't withhold anything. That's not true. You can still get something um, if you if you do the numbers right. So, um,
0: so if you don't withhold tax, um, there is still the ability to um, to,
1: to manage- get access to that twenty yeah, thousand right. dollars minimum. Okay. Yeah, that's right. So, so
0: sole traders. I mean, who? What sort of businesses might might not withhold tax? Or what's it might be
1: house? one where it's a, it's a mum and dad business um, or there might be two directors and they might be in their first or second year of opera- operations and there's not enough cash flow at the moment to pay a decent salary. So they might just pay themselves $20,000, $30,000. Um, so obviously with $30,000, you're withholding tax. You know, below twenty thousand, you're not really going to be withholding any tax. So there is still an opportunity there, right? Um, but the details around that are, uh, are quite um, intricate. So speak I, to your accountant. Yeah, that's exactly right. You probably want to go offline and, and and get the get the proper advice on how to on how to make that one work.
0: And um, you know, with regards to accessing credit and a line of credit for your business, is it only through a line of credit? Is that the only mechanism that you can go and seek? To establish a line of credit?
1: It's not the only one, but it's definitely the best. So they've also – they're going to relax the rules around what previously banks have had to pass in order to well, – or businesses, what business – what metrics businesses have had to pass in order to obtain finance. Those metrics and measures are being re- reduced. So it is going to be easier for businesses to get um, – credit going forward
0: okay so that was my that was going to be my next thing so in terms of their assessment of a business and its cash flow and its ability to to obtain a line of credit um, they're going to relax their assessment of that business's ability to to sustain that but I imagine that it's it's vitally important to speak to your account and put together some sort of business plan so that the business knows that it's able to repay that as well.
1: That's exactly right because you don't want to go out there and get this line of credit for $250,000, draw down on the entire thing and then not be able to pay it back. Yeah. Because remember the government said they're only going to guarantee 50% of it. Mm-hmm. So then the other 50% is going to fall on you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so potentially $125,000. So, yeah, you really need to, um, as you said, make sure that you plan for that one.
0: It's really inter- It's going to be really interesting to see how – how banks really assess that because their, their lending criteria is changing ever so dynamically. And it's really questionable as to whether they're going to follow through. I mean, I understand that these incentives are there and the government's putting this in place, but it would be very interesting to see which banks actually take the lead on that and, um, and really honor, honor, honor that, um, and not fear, fear that, um,
1: that's right. I mean, when you think about it in the last two weeks, we've probably done a complete one eighty because mm-hmm. you know, the, the lending criteria prior to that had got gotten a lot tougher and now it's uh, it's gonna all of a sudden become a lot easier. So, I mean look, the the government needs small business. Um, the country needs small business; it's the it's the life and blood of of this country. Yeah. So, they've got to invest, uh, and they've got to do what what they can in order to help save these businesses.
0: Mm. Do you know much about what's going on globally? Like, what sort of other incentives other governments are putting out to
1: businesses? Yeah, so in the UK, they have guaranteed that they're going to pay eighty percent of wages. What? So. But you've got to remember the UK is in a complete state of lockdown. So here it's essential businesses that are open. And obviously there's a ifs and buts as to what's an essential business. Um, But that's probably another conversation. Mm. But in the UK, as far as I'm aware, it's pretty much only the supermarkets and the pharmacies that are open uh, and people have to stay indoors. So what Boris Johnson said was that he was going to pay workers 80% of their wages now, Morrison was interviewed about this and uh, they said to him, they said, well, when are you going to do this? And he actually came out and said, well, it's not actually in our constitution to do that. Whether or not that's true or not, I don't know because I haven't, I haven't read that part of the constitution. Um, in America, Trump's optimistic. Uh, if you saw him overnight, very interesting. But he's, he's interesting obviously guy. being oh, – he thinks they're going to be out of it in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but
0: I've seen some stuff where they're rolling out like martial law. They're rolling out these hummers in the streets. Like they're, they're, they're I think they
1: are. Um, that's right. Well, he's he's being optimistic because he wants to get re-elected, so mm-hmm. he has to be optimistic. Mm-hmm. Peruse as, you, as as you know, martial law. Their their military is controlling the streets. So it's a really interesting time. Um, I do. I wait with bated breath each day to see what stimulus packages the government is going to offer, but at the same time, they've got to make sure that they don't send the country broke. Yeah,
0: I mean, what happens? I mean, when they continue to do this, and a country says we're going to guarantee eighty percent of wages, help me understand where that, where that, obviously, that just gets put on the debt, the debt liability sheet of a
1: government, puts on the on the on the country's credit card.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, and what, the, and then does the Reserve Bank just start printing more money?
1: Well, that in, that causes inflation, which is a danger there. So people always ask, why doesn't the the bank just, uh, you know, why doesn't the, the RBA just print more money? And the danger with that is that it, it causes huge inflation. So there's a lot to manage there from 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 a government point of view. Uh, and when I look at the run that, that Morrison's had, he's had the fires, the floods, now he's got this and that's the all droughts. really in three months. That's right. So, look, he's got a very, very tough job. Um, my personal opinion is that three weeks ago they should have just shut the country down.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Lock it down. Yeah. And now we're in this every week, oh, uh, we're going to close one more industry down. What is it going to be next week? You know, and then we're going to get to a point where we're not going to see a flattening of the curve. If we would have just gone on the front foot three months, three weeks ago and shut the country down – that event at Bondi wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. I don't think that cruise ship would have got in. Mm-hmm. And then, how many less cases mm-hmm. of this virus would we have wandering around the streets?
0: Yeah, look, there. I, I, I think it's a cultural thing. You know, the when I take a look at, like, a, a ride past the Grumpy Baker, people are still back to back in a line. I don't get it. Like, I'm, um, I'm, I'm really consciously aware of it. Um, I'm, you know, if I see groups of people, I mean, I, I heard something the other day about whether you should say something. Um, but we have a culture which is quite relaxed and, you know, all of a sudden they say, listen, we've got a crisis and all of a sudden people flock to the beaches. Um, we will pay We will pay a price. Um, and unfortunately, the longer we take to turn things around, the bigger the price we're going to pay. Um, I think the, the, the challenging thing for businesses is as these stimulus packages continue to change... I mean, it must be very difficult for you because if I come to you and say, Listen, um, this is what I've done, I've looked at my cash flow, I've had a look at my clients, I've had a look at which clients are going to be directly impacted. This is kind of what I'm thinking of doing what 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 do I have available to help me in the short term and the long term, But then things might change again. so how does that how does that work for you?
1: Well, we just need to as accountants we just need to be on the front foot of it. So you know, I was waiting there on Sunday and I kept refreshing the treasury website. Till they release their papers on it. So as I, I said before, so you're here in the City Morning Herald, first thing on Sunday morning, oh, they, they've they increased the stimulus from fifty to 100,000. Okay, I need to actually read the details of how that's going to work. So I go onto the Treasury website once they put their papers up on how it actually works. I work backwards from it. Okay, I understand this. So then the, the game changes. So as an accountant, I need to be at the forefront of those changes. Yeah. And, you know, I was working on Sunday, all Sunday night, you know, preparing that uh, – that, that email that was sent out to clients Mm. and learning how all these different measures work because there's so many different scenarios, the different examples, because first thing Monday morning, people want to know about it. They want to know straight away. So if that happens again on this Sunday, then I'll be doing the same thing on Sunday night. Yeah, I'll be reading those treasury papers and making sure that, you know, businesses are informed. Mm. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's one of those ones where the goalposts keep changing. Yeah, and they're going to keep changing. Yeah, you know, as this thing goes on. Look,
0: Ian, I got I got one more minute, so I just want to ask you one more thing. Um, and I really appreciate everything, everything you're you, you're providing here. Um, when it comes to thinking about being innovative as a business, and thinking about the R and D grant, um, what does it mean to be innovating something so that not, not only are you benefiting from the R&D grant, but you're able to benefit from the line of credit. You better, you know, like how do you make this work and what, is, what does innovation mean for a business?
1: Sure. So to qualify for the R&D grant, um, it needs to be new knowledge. So the best way to understand it, you know at university if you do a PhD, you have to do it on something that hasn't been done before. Mm-hmm. Same thing as this, R&D. So if you're developing or if you're researching and developing a new technology, that doesn't exist, then that's the best way to think about it. Then you would qualify for R&D. But if you're researching, developing a technology that's existed for 20 years, then you're not going to qualify for it. So that's the best way to think about that one.
0: Okay. And so uh, let's say robotics, for example, let's say you you could access some robotics and some automatic intelligence that you could implement in your business through e-commerce or whatever it is. Um, Is the robotics aspect innovation?
1: It would be. Yeah. It would depend on what Part of the robotics um, is being research and development in order to increase new knowledge to the world.
0: Okay. So it's really fundamentally about new knowledge, um, not regurgitating something that's existing and and white labeling it for your business. It's got to be new, newly innovative. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a very fine curve. I think that's going to be tested quite a lot in the next couple of months.
1: Yeah, no, that's exactly right.
0: Unreal. So um, Ian, um, how, do, how do people get in touch with you?
1: So we'll put a, a, a link in there, but uh, you can contact me at uh, ian at imperiumaccounting.com.au. Or give me a call, 0402 412 715. You can follow the page on uh, on LinkedIn and Facebook. So both of the, the Facebook and the LinkedIn page, I'm I'm updating regularly with each new measure that comes out so people can keep in in contact that way as well.
0: Unreal, mate. Can't thank you enough.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you, man.